Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Freelance Foodies podcast. It's been a busy start to the year, so I'm sorry I haven't been able to record for a little while. But the good news is that I'm back and I've got a brilliant lineup of new guests for the next couple of months. Today, I'm really excited to be speaking to bakery expert and consultant Darren Davey. Darren and I met very briefly many years ago through work, even though neither of us can really properly remember it. And we've recently reconnected. Uh, We enjoyed chatting all things bakery, and I've already learned so much from Darren that I knew I just had to introduce him to all of you. Darren has a huge passion for the bakery industry, and he's got over 40 years experience working in all things baked with particular specialisms and passions in cake, pizza and breads. Darren currently works as a bakery consultant, supporting lots of different bakeries with product and process development. Welcome to the podcast, Darren, and thank you so much for agreeing to be my guest. Yeah, thank you for the invite. I'm really looking forward to it. Ah, it's lovely to have you. I'd really like to start by talking a little bit, Darren, about your career journey, if we may. What was the moment when you knew you wanted to become a baker? I mean, to begin with, you you have um, hopes and dreams growing up. You know, I didn't want to be a fireman. Um, I always wanted to go to sea. I always wanted to be a merchant seaman just like my dad and just like my older brother. So I actually wanted to be a chef at sea, so a ship's cook, and and then applied to college to become a chef. And the college class was full. And, and so they offered me a place on a bakery course, which was, they said, the next best thing. And, and it was absolutely better than the best thing. It was... Perfect. And so I joined a bakery course at uh, Salford College of Technology. So I didn't really want to be a baker. I fell into it a bit like everybody does. So what was your first job as a a newly qualified baker? You came out of Salford College. Yeah, which was, um, for me, the best college of its time. Uh, Although those in London will probably contest that they probably think that South Bank was better but for people of my age uh, I believe that Salford College was the best college uh, in the country uh, so when when I left there the course was again in those days the course was called sandwich course whereby you spent eight months at college and then four months in the industry and there were a couple of small roles um, that I had in between um, college time, um, the the very first one I had was again. I'll keep going back to the old days and and things that I mentioned. People younger won't even remember. So I worked for Woolworths in store bakery. So if anybody remembers Woolworths, um, they certainly won't remember that they had an in store bake. Very few of them did, but the one I worked in was uh, in Manchester Piccadilly. It was probably one of the biggest Woolworths in the country, and they had an in-store bakery, uh, and that was my very first uh, role in the industry. 
and it was fantastic. The uh, bakery was in the, in the basement and, and the prep room where we did all the cakes was on the fifth floor. So you had to get a lift up and down every time you forgot some. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I definitely don't remember there being a bakery in Woolworths. I, I remember fixating on the pick and mix counter and constantly yeah. nagging my mum to, um, to be able to, to get some pick and mix. But I don't remember there being a bakery. What sort of things were you baking there? Well, everything. It was, it was uh, scratch baking. So we had um, a high-speed mixer downstairs and a little roll punt and a little bread punt. And so we made everything. There was three of us, a head baker, obviously, and then two other bakers. I was one of those. And, and, and we made all the bread, all the rolls. And then we were making donuts and cake. Yeah, we made everything. So everything that you see in a, a small in-store bakery in Tesco or Sainsbury's, we were doing on a slightly smaller scale. Um, but but still making everything from scratch. It was absolutely amazing. It sounds like you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was brilliant as, as a first job. Um, and again, you know, middle of Manchester in those days, uh, fantastic. You worked for many years as part of the Northern Foods team, didn't you? Yes. Uh, so I was with Northern Foods for 18 years. I started off at one of their cake factories, Parent Cake in, in Oldham. They were supplying all of the M&S chilled cream cake, uh, Christmas cake, novelty, all the smaller uh, hand-decorated cakes. They also uh, produced all the vinoiserie for M&S as well. So all the croissant, uh, pan au raisin, um, pan au chocolat, uh, and brioche. And what other different product areas did you cover during your time at Northern Feeds? I then moved on to another bakery uh, called Gunston's Bakery. Uh, Gunston's Bakery was a huge uh, bakery, not just producing bread, but it was a real complex site. They produced uh, hot cross buns. Soft rolls, Christmas puddings, sandwiches, sushi, garlic bread, and nun bread. So it's a real complex site. Um, also part of that, they had uh, a small satellite bakery up in Barnsley, which produced all the artisan bread for MS as well. So it was, uh, it was a fantastic business to be part of. Yeah, I certainly remember Gunstone's feeling like a, I felt a bit like a kid in a sweet shop as a retail developer visiting Gunstone's because uh, there was just a lot of agility and creativity there and the ability to, you know, really um, mould all the elements of the Food to Go product with that integrated supply of, of bread as a possibility for some of the product areas. So, um, and the smell of hot cross buns. I mean, you know, we've all visited many different factories during during our careers, I'm sure, and had very interesting smells in the car park. I don't think there's a more welcoming smell to greet to you on your way into a food manufacturing facility than the smell of hot cross buns. It's um, it's an absolute winner, I think. Yeah, and, and I live close to the site as well. And so when I walk my dog, I can still smell hot cross buns. So I you through the, the town. It's quite nice. 
Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> From uh, Gunston's, I then had a role at Oldbury Island working for Goodfellas Pizza. They had a project that they needed some support on, and I was invited across to, to support the project, which was really successful. I developed a product for them called Solos, which was a small individual pizza uh, for the frozen market. And at the time, uh, sales were higher than Magnum ice cream. You can imagine uh, how many small pizzas they were selling. It was a fantastic project to be part of. So that was the beginning of your love affair with pizzas then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And on the back of that, I came back to Gunston's after my secondment and there was a role available at the pizza factory in Nottingham, still owned by Northern Foods. And I applied and was lucky enough to, to get that job. And that was my first love affair with, with pizza. So we've discovered a bit of a shared love of pizza, haven't we, during our, our little bakery nerd chats so yes. far. And having both worked in pizza development during our careers, I think it's really infectious, the passion that you have for the category. I'm really keen to understand what is it about pizzas that really excites you? Why do you love the category so much? I was really lucky because I think I joined the pizza category at the right time. I think it was all about timing. There was a huge renaissance in home pizza around that time and the consumer were demanding a different type of pizza. All that was available before then was the deep pan or a thin cardboard pizza. Um, but the consumer had certainly moved away from those and they were looking for something more authentic. And that's where I think I got so excited with the whole category. We were looking at different methods and, and different equipment and different processes to produce a restaurant quality pizza at home. And that was always the holy grail. And I, I think I got there in the end, but it was quite a journey to, to that end. Where did you take your inspiration from at that time when you were, you know, you were following that holy grail? What were you looking at in terms of benchmarks and who was doing it really well? Well, it was all about restaurants. It, it wasn't about um, manufacturing. There were very few manufacturers that, that were making restaurant quality pizza. What, what you have to remember is that pizzas are produced in a, in a factory when they're mass produced and then they're stored for probably seven days in a box in a fridge and, and taken home and then reheated. And it's, it's that process that, that really makes the whole challenge difficult to attain. So that's where I, I fell in love with, with the category. How, how can we, as, a, as an industry, move pizza on from 
something that eats like cardboard to to something that eats like a a restaurant pizza because you're looking for a crisp eggshell crust and a soft center that is is slightly chewy in the mouth with a fantastic flavor and and those things are really difficult to uh, to achieve it sounds like you like a challenge darren absolutely <laughs> and what's your perfect pizza so if you're going to make a pizza presume that you make pizzas at home yeah if you're going to make a pizza what is it what does it look like what does it taste like well i i still make pizza at home all through the summer i have a, a little outdoor oven that that we feed uh, that the family from throughout the summer so for me the perfect pizza and and what you have to remember is I'm I'm just the base, so I'm only interested in the the base. <laughs> what goes on it, it doesn't really bother me. Uh, I like something plain and simple that complements the base and the basement. <laughs> mm. Well, so I bet it's pretty delicious, no matter what the toppings are. And yeah. you know that's beautiful Italian cooking is is the simplicity, isn't it? Yeah. it so long as the ingredients are good. You, you can make any pizza taste good. And, and for me, it's all about simplicity. It's about a fine tomato concas, um, a good buffalo mozzarella, um, and a little bit of basil. You know, the margarita is, is the classic for a reason. I mean, there's nothing quite like the flavour profile, the texture, those beautiful black blistery patches that kind of crisp outer and the little bits of chewiness that you get there's just there's nothing quite like that crust from a a proper wood-fired long fermented pizza it's it's just oh my god it's making me so hungry (laughs) I've got to find pizza tonight. I'm supposed to be going for afternoon tea this afternoon for Mother's Day. And I, <laughs> all I can think about right now is, is pizza. Oh, my goodness. You've made me very hungry, Darren, with that. Um, and thinking about other product areas that you've worked on, what are you most proud of, do you think? Ooh, most proud of? I mean, it, I've been in baking for 40 years and I've been in in development for almost 30 years so I've I've developed lots of things over that period when I was at Park Cake we developed a product for M&S which was we we called it a toasting croissant which was really simple it was just a square piece of croissant that would fit in the toaster and it sounds really simple. It is really simple. But at the time, it was very different to anything else on the market. It also won an innovation award as well at the Baking Awards. On the back of that, we then, for those of a, an age, probably around 25 to 30, and um, they may remember something called Teletubbies on TV. And we developed Telly Tubby Toast, which was again the the toasting croissant, but it had the face of the Telly Tubby on it. 
<laughs> that's that's brilliant. Anybody who remembers that, that was a fantastic selling product. So simple, difficult to, to make because we had to stencil the face on every piece of uh, round croissant. Um, but that was, again, a fantastic innovation. And it was a great time to be in development. And the other things that I've developed that I've really enjoyed are uh, the wood-fired pizza for Northern Foods and for uh, Bacabal and a charcoal pizza a number of years ago for, for Bacabal into Waitrose. Um, but I suppose, as I've talked about it, the, the long fermentation pizza is, is probably my, my greatest achievement or one that I'm most proud of because of the evolution that it took to get there. It took many, many years to, to be able to deliver that. So you have all of this amazing expertise that you've gathered throughout your career. And you've overcome those product development challenges, be that in concept creation in the kitchen or following through the process of replicating that in the factory. Now you've got all of this knowledge and now you can use that in your capacity as a consultant and you support lots of different bakeries across the country what do you enjoy most about that i think it's just that it's it's helping businesses look at the industry now and and there's such a shortfall in skills for lots of reasons and and bakeries quite often struggle for no fault of their own just because they don't know and they often call upon services like mine to help them overcome issues that they may find in their factories um, and also in development you know they, they, they have challenges of, of time and skill and that's what I can offer to most businesses any bakery business anyway um, and, and that's the bit that I really enjoy it's about giving back to the industry as well. You mentioned there the skill shortage in the industry. Is that one of the big challenges in the bakery industry at the moment? Absolutely. Um, And you can speak to anybody in the industry and they'll all say that there there is a a skill shortage. Depending on what kind of skill we're talking about, there's, there's skills at different levels. But for me, there's an overall skill challenge for the industry. The, the college courses that, that are around I just don't seem to be as good as they were in the past. They're almost part-time courses. You, you spend very little time um, being trained on the, the physical and the practical stuff and probably even less time learning about the technical I- issues of the industry. So, yeah, I, I think one of the biggest challenges to the industry is is the skills. Also, a lot of people that are in the industry now have, have got their roots in 
in-store bakeries, you, you can see lots and lots of people throughout the industry that have, have cut their teeth in in-store bakeries. You know, Tesco, Sainsbury's, the courses that they were running was fabulous and up to a level, but it was still fabulous and it gave everybody a good grounding. They are now cutting back on that as well. So there's going to be less and less skill going forward um, unless the, the education system can do something about it. It sounds like we need to clone you, Darren, and get you out there teaching the next generation of industry bakers. And it, it's really interesting to hear that, you know, the move away from in-store bakeries could have that impact on available skills. It's not something that I would have considered. Are there any other big challenges out there in the industry that are on your mind at the moment? Yeah, I think the other huge challenge to the industry is is all around sustainability. You know, I was told um, a frightening stat a few years ago that the top soil on, in the world only had 60 more years of sustainable growth left in it. And in some parts of the world, that's down to 30 years. I find that absolutely frightening. And we, and we have to, as an industry, get behind any initiatives that will help to prolong the life of our topsoil. There are some new initiatives and some businesses that are trying to do their level best. I suppose one in particular is uh, the wild farmed, which you may have seen and yeah. then get behind. Uh, the other thing that I've been interested in the last few months is heritage weeks. Um, they are coming back into popularity, I think. We should now look to changing the bread that we make that is more sustainable and more akin to using something that is homegrown. For me, this is a real passion that, that I hope everybody else can, can get behind. Well, I think it's really interesting and I think it's something that we are all going to be talking more and more about in the food industry as a whole in terms of our responsibility, really trying to champion regenerative agriculture and biodiversity and how some of those things can go hand in hand with health as well. What really excites you at the moment in the world of bakery? What really gets me out of bed at the moment is is that there's a, a, a real interest in, in real bread. There's a, a frenzy back in the country about real bread. And you, you're now seeing small, independent artisan bakeries popping up everywhere. And that excites me. These small, independent bakeries are popping up and they're producing fantastic bread absolutely fantastic that's not to say that 
the bread that you can still buy in Tesco's that you make your sandwiches with isn't great. It's still a great bread, but there is a real move to honest tasting bread. And I think for me, that is really exciting. And I think as a, as a budding baker, anyone that coming out of college or wanting to get into the industry should try and find one of these small artisan bakeries and, and cut their teeth in one of those because there are very few other places where you're going to get that kind of buzz. People talk about chefs and, and the feeling of working in a kitchen. You get the same feeling working in a bakery. It's just three, it's three o'clock in the morning, not 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> Yes, that is that is a key thing to note, isn't it? You need to be a good morning person if you want to be a baker, that's for sure. Let's talk about bakery heroes. Who are your bakery heroes, Darren? I suppose if, if I was to choose just a few, um, and, and one of them might seem a little bit of a surprise. So uh, Michelle Rue Sr. is one of my heroes, um, and his books on patisserie, particularly inspired me through the 80s and 90s. He was a forefront of, of good cake <laughs> and good bread. He was an absolute genius. Um, and the two books that he wrote were an absolute inspiration to me um, coming through my time as a, a chef patissier. Um, so he would be one of my all-time heroes. Eric Kaiser is, is another hero of mine uh, because he is a, a genius in baking, but also I, I had the great pleasure to, to work with him when he was a consultant. So again, he's on my list. Um, John Kirkland, who people wouldn't have heard of, but John Kirkland was an author. Uh, of a series of books called The Modern Baker. If ever you get a chance to read these, um, it's proof that we in the UK did once make good bread. Uh, and that was all spoiled in the, in the 50s by the, the introduction of the, the CBP process, the Chollywood bread-making process, which the world say killed the English bread-making traditions but at the time it certainly helped to feed Britain because at that time we speeded up bread making which was very important so there's always going to be a place for CBP but John Kirkland was a baker around the turn of the last century so the 1900s and his books are Absolutely fantastic. And then there's somebody that's still in the industry that I'd really like to shout out, and that's Piero Scacco. Piero Scacco, he's a legend, isn't he? He is, yeah. And I've had the the pleasure of of working with uh, Piero on a number of occasions over the years. Um, And he is a man that, shows 
he's in his eighties and and he's still energetic. He's there every day. He's first in and probably last out of his bakery every day of the year. The energy and the passion and the innovation that he has brought to the industry has been absolutely amazing. So yeah, he's uh, one of my living heroes. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. I'm sure he won't. He's a really amazing man who's, yeah, as you say, made a a fantastic contribution to the industry. If there was a Bakery Hall of Fame uh, in the UK, he absolutely deserves a place there for sure. Yes. Um, yes. So it's really, really lovely to to call him out. I don't think we could live with ourselves, Darren, if we recorded a bakery-themed podcast uh, this close to Easter without talking more about hot cross buns. Um, and particularly as you've previously worked for one of the most well-known in the industry, well-known hot cross bun bakeries in the UK, you've baked many, many hot cross buns I have, yeah. and created many different recipes during that time. Are you sick of hot cross buns? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Why do you like them so much? I, I I mean, they're so versatile. They were just for Easter. Hot cross buns were a spiced fruited bun with a cross on top that you could only get at Easter when I was younger anyway. Um, and then the industry did something with that product that made it delicious. And everybody wanted it all year round. And it's so versatile in itself it's a small bun but it's it's soft it's flavored it's can be toasted it can be eaten cold uh, it's just it's just a fantastic product it's, it's just like uh, the french croissant <laughs> probably not as popular but in in the uk it is as popular i think it beats a croissant i'm gonna put it out there i know it's controversial <laughs> But I think as much as a beautiful, fresh, flaky, buttery croissant is a gorgeous thing, I don't think it compares to the comfort of a warm, hot cross bun. Absolutely, let's be honest, slathered in salty butter because that's part of its charm is its its ability to be a great vehicle um and a great pairing with with butter uh with a cup of tea i yeah i have to say i think i would probably choose a hot cross bun this discussion makes me think also we haven't talked about this yet but when you were talking about the spiced buns of another really traditional long-standing treat of mine which is the iced and spiced bun from marks and spencers and you're making me wonder if you had a hand in that no no well no it's been around for a long long time it's been around over 20 years um in in different guises um so i'm not going to take uh the plaudits for the the ice and spice bun, but I I was around at the time of it being developed. It's an absolute M and S classic that is that is still there. 
And I was in a store recently in a train station and feeling a bit weary, a bit hungry. And I'd sort of forgotten that they still existed after all this time. And I felt like a child. I felt so excited. I pretty much inhaled this iced and spiced bun <laughs> on the train platform. And if you've never tried one, but you like that sort of nostalgic tea time treat, it's very naughty, but it's absolutely delicious. So back to hot cross buns. It's a very exciting thing every year to see what the new flavours are going to be. Yeah. I look out from every Easter or certainly from February onwards. What are the most interesting things you've seen so far this year? This year there's there's been the lemon and white chocolate M&S have launched uh, the Bonoffi hot cross bun this year. Um, and then there's the savoury options that, that everyone seems to have launched this year, all probably on the back of M&S over the past four or five years. So M&S have done the extremely cheesy. Um, there's the cheese and sun-dried tomato. And then there's a cheese and black pepper in, in Asda. The the other thing that we probably need to mention as well is the uh, sandwich offer that M&S have launched, the hot cross bun, BLT sandwich, which has gone down an absolute storm, apparently. It's uh, it's everywhere on, on social media. Yes, I have seen it. I haven't tried it yet, but I, I've seen it. And I have to say, I am personally a fan of the controversial hot cross bun bacon butty. Um, I find that a bit of a guilty pleasure, but I think you've got to be um, a sweet, savoury lover yeah. who, um, to go there. Um, but um, yeah, I think, I think it's really delicious. <laughs> Have you got any tips for any of us wanting to make our own hot cross bun this year at home? And in particular, I want to ask you, there is such a difference sometimes between obviously what you can buy commercially yes, and what you can produce at home because obviously domestic ovens and industrial processes are, are really different. But one of the things I always really struggle with baking hot cross buns at home is whilst there's a beautiful charm to the, the golden crust that comes when you bake it at home, I love the squidginess the softness of the hot cross buns that I might buy in the supermarket. What am I doing wrong? Oh, you're not doing anything wrong. Obviously, it's, it's what you've just said. There are ingredients available to the industry that are not available to the home baker. And some of those ingredients obviously help with the squidgy, soft um feel to a finished bun and um, all I can suggest is that you try to maximize the amount of fat that you can get in there and increase the sugar slightly uh, and that should help a little bit that there's other ingredients that the industry use that you can't probably get hold of certain enzymes and certain emulsifiers that will help to soften the product. So I wouldn't be too 
hard on yourself if if your bun isn't as soft as those that you can buy um, in the retails. And if in doubt, smother it in butter. That's what if, I say. Yeah. Have you got a winning recipe for hot cross buns at home? I still use a recipe from John Kirkland, which is a sponge and dough recipe, which I find works fantastically well for me. There's lots of recipes available on the internet. You know, the BBC, uh, Good Food, all do a good recipe um, that's easy to follow. The other tip that you could look at as well is, is probably not spending too much time making the cross. The cross of 100 years ago was done with the back of a knife. And do that because it adds so much charm to the home-baked hot cross bun. I think they can still look beautiful just with a, a stamped cross as opposed to a white piped paste cross. Well, I'm definitely going to be giving that John Kirkland recipe and your tips try for sure. I have to say my stomach is rumbling so much <laughs> at the thought of this. I'm actually trying to make sure it doesn't come across on the sound of this episode. Darren, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. As always, it's been such a pleasure to talk about food with you and I find your knowledge and passion for this subject just so inspiring. It's been an absolute pleasure for me as well. Thank you very much for inviting me on, Rachel. Oh, you're very, very welcome. If there is anyone out there who needs extra support with concept creation, in, in, with bakery recipes or process development, how can they best get in touch with you? LinkedIn is the, the easiest and best way. Just search for Darren Davey, a bakery consultant, and, and I'm sure that my name will come up. And LinkedIn's also a great way to follow what you've been baking at home as well. I've seen some amazing creations. I'm always busy in the kitchen. Thank you again, Darren.